Hi guys, so welcome to another episode of Gibberish with Gerard. Um, since many of you are already aware, like uh, COVID-19 has uh, pretty much wrecked the entire world in these like unforeseen circumstances. Uh, but its damage has not been like just limited to the health sector alone. Uh, it has pushed many countries to uh, recessions and uh, Singapore is not an exception either. So, uh, in fact, Singapore has entered uh, a technical recession after its economy contracted about 41.2% in the second quarter of 2020. And the authorities have further warned that uh, you know, they expect Singapore's GDP to uh, further shrink between uh, 4 and 7% um, this year. So, what exactly does you know, this mean to us? It means three main things. It means loss of uh, employment, loss of income, and more importantly, loss of savings. And um, that is why you know, savings are really important. You know, it's, for, it's there for us to like, uh, get through these uh, difficult uh, situations. And um, that's where this entire uh, thing called financial planning comes into picture. And that's why I also personally decided to talk about uh, this topic in uh, this week's episode. And it's also quite apt, you know, that uh, this episode will be like releasing on National Day because as you know, Singapore, you know, takes like a lot of pride on being financially prudent and uh, we have uh, saved up a lot for us to have, you know, enough reserves to like tap on during like emergency crisis situations as what we are going through right now. And I think it's about time that uh, you know, current and the future generation, generations of Singaporeans uh, you know, start to uh, learn, you know, learn to follow suit and also have uh, financial stability and uh, planning in their lives. And you know, for you to do this, you, know, you kind of need uh, proper guidance and from professionals. And that is where you know, these people called financial advisors you know, come into the picture. So in this episode, I have one of my BMT friends, you know, who's here to share with us uh, with his experience of joining this industry and what he thinks about, you know, financial planning in general. So his name is Cocky and he will be reading Business Analytics in NUS this year. So hi Cocky, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me here. Alright man, and no problem. So... Cocky, right? First things first. Um, can you share like more about yourself? You know how you know you joined this industry, and you know was there like any like so called initial spark moment? Okay, okay, sure, sure. So uh, before I start, right, I just want to make this disclaimer, right? Yeah. That everything I'm sharing here today is purely, okay, purely based on my opinions. Can disagree, okay? And there won't be any marketing involved over here. So a bit more about myself, so I'm from Advisors Alliance Group, a subsidiary group under AIA. Okay. So I've joined I've known AEG for around eight months and officially start work for around three months. Okay. And like what Gerard have, has introduced, I'm gonna study in this year in NUS. So I'm gonna be a student advisor. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I really love being in AEG because of the people I work with, because of what I'm doing. And my clients are very, very appreciative of me. Mm. Okay. So uh, as to how I, how I come to know about this industry or why I joined, right? It's not like a spark. Lah. 
like the spur of the moment, okay? Mm-hmm. okay? But it's an ongoing process. So when I share with you how exactly did I come to know AAG? Mm-hmm. Let's remember that time is it was my one of my very very good friend uh, back in mm-hmm. SCS, Sean. So he asked me to come down for this uh, entrepreneur workshop, mm-hmm. okay, in AAG office. So when I first arrived, then I said, hey, it's an insurance company. And then all the PTSD, all the stereotypes all come in. Uh, mm-hmm. okay? Then I tell myself, okay, never mind. I go in with an open mind. Okay, maybe I can learn something, or maybe this is really a good career. Mm-hmm. Okay? So little did I know that, okay, it really changed my life. Lah. Mm-hmm. And here I am as a student advisor in Advisors Alliance Group. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I remember there was this sharing by my executive director, Ray Tan. Okay? So he's a man of wisdom. When you hear him speak, right, you really feel very, very motivated. Okay? And he shared about his initial career as a financial advisor the impact it make on people's lives as well as the income potential of this industry mm-hmm. okay and to me i want a high paying job of course everyone's a high yeah. paying job okay yet meaningful also mm. ah, and that's why i go for ag subsequent events and eventually decide to join them as an mm. advisor mm. well um i'm pretty sure you may have put in a lot of thought and consideration you know before like joining this industry but like um can you share more like you know what what really made you, you know, like, uh, decide on becoming a financial advisor? Mm, okay. Of course, I've thought through it, like, very, very carefully, la, mm. okay? Because there were a lot of uh, questions in my do I face rejections? What would my friends think of me? Would they mm. all, like, unfriend me <laughs> after I joined this industry, mm. okay? So after I considered carefully, actually, there are three main factors, la. Three mm. main factors why I joined this industry. Mm. Okay, first one is definitely family. Mm. I'm not sure if you know, I'm an only child in the family. Mm. Okay, and same. as to uh, same right, <laughs> family, as to a lot of older generation families, right, mm. they all depend on their child on re- for retirement. This is what they call the sandwich generation. Mm. I am their retirement. Mm. Okay, and my dad is currently in his sixties mm. Okay, sixty two this year, and his health is not as good as before. Mm. He's working as a blue collar job. Mm. Okay, and after witnessing him going through a major surgery last year. Okay, I want him to retire as soon as possible. Mm. And being a financial advisor is really one of the very, very few jobs uh, you can find as a student mm. to be able to earn a sizable income. Mm. Okay, that was the major factor. Second factor, of course, is why I joined AAG and not other companies. Mm. It's because AAG really captivates me as a company that breeds this culture of abundance. Mm. Okay, what I mean like that, right? So they have strong mentorship programs. And you can find all seniors willingly and happily share with all the juniors about mm. successful tips, about their failures, experiences, to mm. make sure that the junior advisors can grow. Mm. Okay? There's no like secrecy of traits mm. or backstabbing or any other negative cultures la, that we mm. even experienced back in army. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's no okay. toxic <laughs> stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay? Mm. So over there in AAG, don't have such things. Mm. And I really feel that, oh, this company can bring me to a greater height. Mm. Okay, and AAG is also one of, it's the first, it's the first agency in Singapore to achieve 100 IDAT. Okay, okay what exactly is ID? ID is just an international dragon award. Okay. It's awarded to top advisors in the world. Okay. Uh, and with so many competent seniors in my company, I have no doubt I'll become one of them. <laughs> okay. Then last one, of course, is the purpose. Mm. Hey, uh, since young, I've been thinking next time, whatever I do, it must have purpose. It must have meaning. Mm. Okay. So I really see the purpose of financial planning after I come to know about it. Mm. Okay, previously I also thought, okay, 
just insurance. Every time got the road show, the female agent kind of approach me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so back in BMT, I also have that. So mm. I was thinking, oh, just insurance, or oh, everyone should have. Mm. Okay, but after looking through my parents' portfolio, my dad's one, mm. there was like, eh, he has not a single financial planning. Mm. Uh, not even insurance, not even investment, savings, everything mm. don't have. Mm. That was like, it's not as common as I thought. Yeah. After I share with my friends, my working out friends, all this, I realized that a lot of times they purchase plans, all this, without actually knowing what they are buying for. Mm. And just to support friend or the agent say what they just buy what. Mm. They actually don't understand the true meaning of financial planning. Mm. Okay? They are also revealed for my friends' parents, because they haven't been doing anything about retirement. Mm. Yeah, because after they did savings for their edu- children's education, their agent left the industry and there's no one to teach them, no one to let them know. Mm. So I feel that I serve a purpose as an educator. Mm. Uh, to educate people about the importance of financial planning and to impact on people's lives. Mm. Uh, so these are the three main reasons uh, why mm. I joined as a financial advisor. Yeah, I think like you have like solid reasons like why you want to do this law. So I think like it starts from family and from there, whatever you have built on, I think it's like you know hold you in a good state when you like you know like fully go into this career in the future. Yeah. Okay, Kokli, I mean you have like shared a lot about you know why you wanted to join this financial industry and stuff like that. Mm. But I'm pretty sure like not everyone is aware of, you know, this financial planning. I mean, that includes myself. And yeah, I think that's the case for most of us. So why not you like try to like share with us what this is all about? Mm, okay, sure, sure. Okay, so I have to just say that like, this part will be a bit drier. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'll make it as interesting as possible. Mm, sure. Okay, actually financial planning is very, very simple. Mm. Okay, and it's about implementing solutions to financial problems. And I like to call financial advisors financial doctors uh, because mm. help to treat the problems. Mm. Okay, so financial planning is actually broken up into three steps. Wealth preservation, wealth accumulation, and wealth distribution. And I'll be going through with you all about these three steps. Okay. okay. Firstly, wealth preservation. Like the name suggests, is about preserving the wealth. Mm. Making sure that people's incomes and savings are protected. Mm. Imagine you have set up, save up a $1 million. You don't need to be gone overnight, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, Gerard, next time when you start working, you will be earning an income. Mm. Okay, and along the years, your income will rise mm. and your expenses will rise also. Mm. Okay, but as long as you keep having this income, right, there shouldn't be much problem accord- as assuming that you spend according to your income. Yeah. Uh, if you're earning like 5 k you don't buy a landed property. Mm. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Other than that, there shouldn't be much problem. Okay? Mm. But the problem only comes in when people stop working. Mm. And once you stop working, income is gone. Mm. Savings will be slowly depleted by expenses. Mm. And once savings is depleted, we fall into debts. Mm. And that's where you see people moving from uh, landed properties to HDB flats. Mm. Okay? And you also see people not be able to afford children's uni education. Mm. Yeah, and I'm sure you don't want that to happen to a family, right? Yeah, I mean, like, definitely not. Definitely not. Okay, so, over here, this is where financial advisors step in. Okay. Okay, and can you think of uh, some possible reasons why people may not be able to work? Mm. I mean, like, like, usually, like, some health-related issue, right? Or, like, some accident or something, or illness, and, uh... Or maybe like, you know, retrenchment now, like, mm-hmm. just like, you know, like, COVID situation. 
Yeah, probably like these two. Yes, correct, correct. Okay. Mm. So financial advisors help to implement strategies to replace people income when disability or illness mm. strike. Okay. okay. We also advise clients on how much retrenchment fund should they have based mm. on their financial situation, based on their income, based on how much they spend. Okay. Yeah, this helps to protect our clients for from any factor that make them not able to work. Okay. And also allow them to achieve their goals. Mm. Okay? I mean, so that's what wealth preservation is all about. Lah. And I think that's a quite interesting way to put like insurance into perspective because I've not really like personally have seen it that way. But okay, so then then what's the next one? Uh, wealth accumulation, right? Yes. Yeah, so so what, what's that? Okay, so what exactly is wealth accumulation? Many of my friends also ask me, what's wealth accumulation? Mm. Okay, wealth accumulation is all about growing your money. And there are a lot, a lot of tools in the world to grow your money. You can put them in bank, you can put them in fixed deposit, you can put in bonds, stocks, and you can name a lot of others also. Mm. Okay, and they all give different returns. Mm. And whether it's guaranteed or non-guaranteed. Okay. okay. But do you know that a lot of people, especially the older generation, our parents' age, Mm. They tend to avoid all these investments. Do you know why? Not sure. <laughs> Not sure, okay. Because of this human psychological behavior. Mm. People or human, we fear what we don't know. Mm. Yeah, we fear what we don't know. Like, so since they lack like all this, yeah. Yeah, like all this. <laughs> like all illnesses or anything mm. or like aliens or this, ghosts, yeah. Mm. We fear what we don't know. Mm. Since they don't know much about investment, they just avoid it all. Okay, and there's a problem over here. It's because today's bank's interest rate is around like 0.05% or even the higher savings accounts around 1%. Mm. It's still lower than inflation. Mm. And every time you put money in the bank, each day, each year, it's rotting in value. Mm. Okay, and this is why you hear this saying, allow me to be blunt, okay? Rich gets richer, poor gets poorer. Mm. Right? Because rich people always know how to put their money into tools they can generate them a very high return, much higher than inflation. Mm. Okay, and the poor tends to lack all this knowledge and they choose to put money in the bank, mm. which makes them also poorer as inflation goes. Mm. Okay. So I see this purpose, I see us as ed- educators mm. to go around to educate people about wealth accumulation methods. Mm. Okay. We'll analyze their life goals mm. and propose suitable strategies based on their age risk appetite as well as when they need to achieve all these goals mm. yeah, this helps them to achieve all their life goals such as retirement mm. and I feel very accomplished each time I secure my friend's retirement mm. I mean yeah. it's quite a meaningful like, job yeah. but uh, actually I have like, a few doubts regarding what you said earlier mm. so I think uh, the first thing is right, I mean you said investments are like I mean I think what people usually think is that like, investments have a certain uh, degree of risk involved. Yes, correct. And uh, so, as you say, right, rich gets richer, poor mm-hmm. gets poorer. Uh, like, don't you think that like, rich people have like more freedom or like a bit of a leeway yes, to correct. take that risk compared mm-hmm. to an ordinary poor person? You can already put like a normal person. Yes. Who like, who can make ends meet, but you know, like taking maybe like doing an investment, right? Mm-hmm. And the risk benefit analysis might be a bit too like extreme for him to like take that first step yes because i think that's why a lot of people have concerns right mm-hmm. like is investment really uh, such a big risk yes so actually investment 
yes, of course, all investments have risk. Mm. Okay, but like I shared with you previously, we analyze based on their risk appetite. So mm-hmm. investment got some are get capital guaranteed. We need to say mm. that there's no chance that you will lose money. Okay, well, there's also the non-guaranteed. Yes, there's also get capital guaranteed, which makes sure that your capital is protected. Okay. Yeah, and there's also the non-guaranteed part. Mm. Yeah. So for people that have high risk appetite, that means to say that they are okay to lose twenty percent, thirty percent, if times are bad, mm. Okay, and they will have the high risk investment. Mm. Okay, and investment has this uh, rule of thumb la, Usually, usually, okay, high risk will give high returns. Usually la, but not all will do so. Mm. Yeah, but if you find a good investment, high risk will give high returns. Okay then. Yeah. I need to brief you another controversial question. I would say, how different is investment from gambling then? Okay. So how different is investment from gambling? Yeah, because okay. I mean, if you think about it, risk factors mm-hmm. the same, and the more money you put in, more likely you can earn like, like you know like many like many fold in terms of like if you win the lottery. Correct. But if you lose, you end up losing everything. Yes. So how exactly does the probability and all these things like? So both of them have risk. Mm-hmm. Okay. But gambling, when we gamble, actually we don't like calculate the actual risk, ma. Mm. Yeah, we just okay. Uh, let's say for example, we talk about uh, poker cards. Mm. We don't actually calculate this time. What are the cards that I'm gonna get? Mm. It's all based on luck. Mm. Okay, but for investment wise, right, we calculate risk. Okay. Okay, we make sure that there's optimal risk. Okay, so let's say for this particular return, it's eight percent per year. Mm. What's the risk that's optimal? It's done through mathematical analysis. Mm. It's done through a research or this. Mm. It's often by professionals. Okay. Yeah. That's why I would say investment definitely carries a lower risk than gambling. Okay. So like more like a more well, like how's it well planned? Yes. Kind of risk taking measure. Yes. 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 Okay. So it's like okay, if you want to put in the gambling context, that like you go into a game with mm. all the good cards already. Okay. Uh, there's still a risk that you will lose the game, but at yeah. least you have calculated and make it optimal for you. Okay. I see. Yeah. I think. I think that that. Paints a better picture of like. Yes. I think I think I have these doubts, and mm-hmm. I think I think it's also I think people might have these doubts as well. Correct. I think correct. it's like quite important to like clarify them. Okay, so so that is wealth accumulation, right? So the last part is wealth, wealth distribution. distribution. Okay. Okay, so wealth distribution is usually for older people, mm-hmm. like our parents' age, fifty plus, sixty plus, lah. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, if you talk about us. Mm. Who have who we have what well, what money do we have to give mm. to people, right? Yeah. Okay. So wealth distribution, there are a few things. First mm. thing is uh, I will educate people on the importance of will writing. Okay. Okay. And another thing is called a uh, lasting power of attorney, mm. is to appoint someone to take care of you, mm. when uh, let's say a mental illness strike or coma strikes. Okay. Yeah. It's make sure that although you are still living, but you're not able to make a decision, then you mm. appoint someone else to make decisions for you. Okay. And this is the one that a lot of people don't know. Mm. And last one will be inheritance planning. Okay. Yeah, so we have to uh, show them what are the resources or what are the tools to leave mm. money for kids. Okay. And like, so what, so what exactly happens other than this? Okay. So uh, actually, wealth distribution is quite complicated also. Mm. Because all these factors, all the consideration, how, who we want to give all this. Okay, but let me show you this uh, simple example okay. to illustrate uh, what exactly we can value add to clients to okay. wealth distribution. Okay. Okay. So, so imagine, uh, just mm. imagine, mm. maybe you don't have. <laughs> imagine you have $1 million. 
right okay. now, okay, mm. and imagine you are in your fifties, okay, mm. then you want to leave this one million for your kids. Mm. Am I right to say that usually you or you will prefer to put them in safe instruments like bank, fixed which are like guaranteed? Mm. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. yeah, because let's say you put into stock, what if, try anything touch wood lah, mm. happen to you on the another situation like COVID. Mm. Then your one million become five hundred thousand, for example. Mm. You want that want that to happen, mm. uh, and that's what I see for a lot of older clients. They tend to leave inheritance in bank because they want a guaranteed amount to leave for kids because they don't know when will they leave this world. Mm. Okay. Then over here, I would like to. Am I right to say that a uh, given current interest rate, right? let's say the next twenty years, thirty years later, from fifty to eighty, mm. am I right to say that the money you put in bank one million? Will not double become two million. I mean, surely not. Surely not, right? Yeah. Okay. And over here, we can implement this strategy to value add to clients by mm. giving them something that's around triple the amount they put in. Okay. Yeah. But what? I mean, why does that happen? Okay. Then that concept is called life insurance, lah. Okay. okay. And like what I say, I'm not marketing any plans here, but this is just a concept. Mm. Okay. And life insurance to a lot of people, they thought it's just whatever I shared does not wealth preservation. Mm. They have never thought insurance as a planning for legacy. Okay. Yeah, it actually can give you around triple the amount you put in. Okay, and, okay. and it is increasing pop increasingly popular nowadays mm. because people have come to know about this concept. Mm. Many financial advisors have educated people about this concept. Mm. Okay. And you may ask, eh, why would I want to leave money only after I die, for example? Mm. Okay. But actually, because we haven't reached the parent stage, there are a lot of uh, complicated factors, mm. a lot of considerations. Like for example, children's having parents' money. Ah, mm. uh, that's why they want to make it that oh, I only want to give my kids after I pass away. Mm. Uh, that's why it's increasingly popular among parents nowadays. Mm. Uh, I think I kind of get the what you're exactly talking mm. about, and um, so that I mean, thanks for like sharing what exactly you know financial. Planning is all about. I think it's pretty much enlightened all of us, and um, given us a better understanding of mm-hmm. this thing, lah. Okay, so uh, before we move on to like the next segment, right? Um, like, can I ask why there are so many people nowadays, um, you know, getting financial, uh, aid so early? Yes. Okay, so actually, if you see around your peers, working out friends or your cousins, mm. relatives, right? You mm. tend to see that. It, as long as they have a job, mm. they will have some form of financial plans. Okay. Maybe we wonder like what you wonder lah. Mm. Why are they getting it so early? Okay, mm. there are actually two main reasons. Mm. Okay, first one is insurability. Okay. Okay. Buying insurance is not like buying on Amazon, buying on uh, Lazada or this. I mm. want this. I click. I add to cart and I buy. <laughs> it's not like that. Okay. Mm. Insurance company actually take into uh clients or whoever that's applying health mm. condition very very seriously. Okay. So as long as you have some minor operations or this, you may have a chance to be declined. Mm. And you have to live with the fact that for the rest of your life, you're not protected. Okay. And usually when you're young, like 20 plus, usually we have to have a good health condition. Mm. Tend to have less, uh, what they call high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all this. Tend mm. to be less because mm. we still exercise all this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mm. So that's why people tend to get when they're early, so mm. that they have this insurability. Okay. okay. Second thing is more linked to whatever I shared just now, the wealth accumulation part. Okay. okay. There's this concept about which is called cost of waiting. Okay. Okay. 
Let me give you this simple example. Okay, do you know that if someone, let's say person A, starts investing at 25 years old, mm-hmm. person B starts investing at 35 years old, mm-hmm. okay, assuming a rate of return of 7%, mm-hmm. okay, at age of 65, person A will get double person B. Although it's 10 years different. Yeah, although it's just a 10 years different. Okay? If you don't believe, you can go try the math later on. Okay. Okay. But it's really true. Mm-hmm. And this is the concept of cost of waiting. Each year you're waiting, you're losing all this compounding effect. Okay. Yeah. So the earlier you start, you're like much better off as compared to your peers. And you can mm-hmm. reach your retirement early. I mean, who don't want to retire mm-hmm. early, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why this cost of waiting comes into play and people want to start investing as soon as they can. Okay. And that's why you even see some students already start investing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's important to like plan all these things like ahead. As you said, so we can have kind of a head start in this like work life mm. and like, retirement life. So I now I see why exactly the people now nowadays want to have financial planning this early. Okay, so let's move on to our next segment, uh, which will be a bit, how do I say, interesting, <laughs> controversial, spicy. I mean, you can name a lot of things. But yeah, I think many people have this, you know, social stigma against um, financial planning and like insurance plans in general. And so I would like to, you know, ask you about some claims uh, that you might identify them as misconceptions. And maybe you would like to you know, clarify them uh, based on whatever experience you have gained uh, working in this industry for the past few months. Okay. okay, so one of the most common things, right, that people hear, that I hear from people on the ground, is that, you know, insurance, this entire insurance thing, you know, it's like a, it's a scam, yeah. where, you know, like you put a lot of money in, but eventually when you need it, you don't really get back the money that you want to get back. Mm. So, what, what, what's your thought on that? Okay, actually, for this sentence, I've heard it so many times. Sometimes, like, insurance is a scam. It's a scam. Mm. Don't talk to me about insurance. Mm. Okay. Actually, why does this claim arise, right? It's because of the what happened in the past. Mm. Okay, last time when uh, MAS wasn't so uh, established, mm. okay, a lot of insurance companies, a lot of insurance agents actually mis-sell or they pocket the premiums. Uh, mm. Causing a lot of people who thought they are insured, but they actually are not insured. Okay. okay, and this happens to a lot of our parents, and mm. parents pass on this concept to their children, mm. and making people feel that oh, financial planning or insurance is all a scam. Okay. Okay, but I'd like to clarify that in today's world, especially twenty twenty, MS has stepped up and has a lot of strict guidelines for financial advisors mm. to be professionals, to be competent. Okay. Okay. And I wanted to say that whatever scams or this, it's actually a thing of the past. Mm. In fact, in recent years, I have, I've hardly heard about uh, insurance scams or this. Mm. It's because people are becoming more and more competent. Okay. Okay? And I wanted to use the example, like, for example, Japan. Okay, Japan mm. was hated after World War II, right? Mm, because yeah. of what they did. Okay? Mm. But today, look at Singaporeans. All of us love ramen. Yeah. <laughs> okay? We eat curry chicken rice from Japan. We love Japanese food. Mm. Even buy their products or this. Mm. Okay? It's because Japan is no longer who they were last time. Mm. And same thing applies to financial advisors. Okay. Okay, financial financial advisory today is no longer something that was in the past. Mm. Okay, I feel that people should be more accepting mm. okay, and realize the fact that 
they, times have changed and mm. advisors today has also changed. Mm. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. La. But mm. I think some people just you know, can't get rid of their past experiences of them. Yes, yes. I totally empathize with that. Man. Mm. Like, for example, let's say you go to a food store, mm. the food tastes so bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, one time tastes so bad. One time, you won't go ever yeah. again. Okay? Mm. So it's perfectly understandable. Mm. So usually, I'll just explain to clients or clients' parents slowly and making mm. sure that they understand that today, whatever I'm sharing with them is mm. valid. It's not a scam. Mm. Okay, so the next uh, claim is that, right, you know, like, you guys, like, financial advisors, right, that's the umbrella mm-hmm. term to use, uh, you, like, you earn, like, you know, easy, you know, like, loads mm-hmm. of easy money, uh, and, like, kind of rip off people. So, how true, or, like, untrue is that particular statement? Okay, so since for that statement, I've heard it a lot of times, mm. okay, so actually, what they don't see, right, is about whatever we have put in as financial advisors. I like okay. to use this quote by uh, Michael Jordan okay. from Last Dance Netflix. Okay. They say this, it's funny, mm. okay, but everyone wants to be Michael Jordan for a day mm. or a week. Mm. Okay, but let them try to be Michael Jordan for a year mm. and see if they like it. Mm. Okay? And I don't think they will quite like it. Mm. Okay, same thing for financial advisors. Every time after we achieve awards, after we achieve success, people mm. only see this successful side. Mm. But what about the pre-success days? Mm. Okay, they don't see the amount of effort we put in to improve ourselves, to increase mm. our competency. Mm. Okay, they don't see the amount of effort we put in to, let's say, uh, advise clients on financial planning, mm. uh, assisting them for any claims, all this. All these are services mm. that we provide to our clients, mm. which a lot of times people tend to ignore it. They only mm. look at the successful side or easy money, easy money. Mm. But they tend to neglect whatever efforts mm. they may put in. Mm. Well, I think, I mean, I think that's a quite important thing to like mm. to clarify because a lot of people you know, think that it's like what it is, <laughs> and you don't really see the big picture. Yes, you know? yes. They just see the tip of the iceberg, but they don't see all the things below it. Okay, so uh, there's another claim you know out there that says <laughs> only the rich people need financial planning. So is there like you know a certain degree of uh, truth to it, or or is it wrong? Because I think it's quite wrong. Actually, it's really very, very wrong. It's actually okay. the opposite. Mm. Okay, so very simple. Okay, to you, if someone has a million dollar in bank compared mm. to someone who, have, who has a 10,000 in bank, mm. who is more likely to go into debt if, let's say, an illness strike or hospitalization occurs? The, the guy with 10,000. The guy with 10,000. Yeah. Okay, that's exactly. Okay, mm. I always believe in this sentence. Okay, if you can't afford to be sick, you better have insurance. Okay. Because we don't want our family to be in debts. Mm. And that is why actually, if you're not so rich, mm. there's a, a greater need for insurance to make sure that nothing will happen to your families. Okay, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. So, uh, so, moving on, right? Another uh, group of people think that they will do this financial planning for themselves, by themselves. Yes. Like, you know, you feel that there's no need for like, uh, professional advice from yes, you know, like professional finance financial advisors mm-hmm. like you so what is your take on that okay of course they can do that right it's like mm. same thing for studying let's say you learn maths mm. you can either learn it from the teacher or okay. you can learn it on yourself yes yeah. so same for financial planning a lot of people can do themselves mm. okay, but the key question is should they mm. okay, I always believe in this concept comparative advantage last time JC yeah, yeah, yeah. right? comparative advantage so you look at Singapore mm. okay 
we are very bad at producing our own food, but mm. we are good at providing services. That's yeah. why Singapore always focus on providing services, improve our education, mm. but we have never tried to compete with other countries like Malaysia in growing of, let's say, uh, fruits, food, or this. Mm. We don't do that. We buy from them. Mm. So I feel that the same thing should apply for financial planning. Mm. Since people's career are usually, let's say, they are engineers, doctors, who are not so savvy in financial planning or financial mm. info, mm. okay, they should outsource all these things to financial experts so they can save all this time on research or mm. let's say on crafting out their own plans mm. and they can put them into better use. For example, family time, spending more time with families mm. okay, and maybe uh, get a promotion mm. or putting more time and resources into their own business mm. which may be even more beneficial to them as compared to putting time into studying or researching about investment or this. Mm. I mean, I mean, that's a quite solid point. Uh. I mean, make use of these guys yeah. when they're right here. You know, why, why waste your time and energy trying to do these things yes. on your own? Okay, so uh, the last assumption, right, mm. is that I want to talk about is uh, a lot of people think that once, you know, they're like, you know, they're like fully covered for financial planning, mm. once you do it like once, and yes. that's it. So is that assumption valid? It's like doing once, like planning once, is that enough? Okay. So actually, a lot of people may disagree, but actually financial planning, just having one plan or one strategy uh, mm. is insufficient. Okay. okay. So a lot of times my friend will tell me, oh, I already have insurance, or I already have plans. Mm. But actually, really, they only have one or two. Mm. And they thought they are fully covered. Mm. Okay. I like to use this energy of eating, uh, for example. Mm. Let's say I eat today for lunch. Mm. Okay, although I'm full now, but I still have to eat dinner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's say I eat for today. Yeah, Tomorrow yeah. I still need to eat, mm. right? Okay, so same thing applies to financial planning. Although someone may be fully covered at that point of time, mm. maybe for the next few years, you don't need to do financial planning. Mm. But as his needs evolve or circumstances change, let's say having more children mm. or maybe the income drop or increase, mm. they will need additional strategies to protect themselves. And this is what people often do not see. So it's like a, it's a need for like a constant review. Lor. Yes, correct. Like, what's your recommendation for like every like how many years? Okay, so usually for financial advisors, we review clients' portfolio every year. Because okay. every year there's a chance of promotion mm. or there's a chance of demotion, hopefully not. Yeah, okay. okay, but we have to review constantly. Mm. And every year you can also see maybe, let's say, uh, if the person's or the person's wife is pregnant, for example, mm. having mm. another kid will need rec- additional financial planning. That's why once a year is often preferred. Okay, okay. I mean, that's a very good analogy at first. And uh, you've answered this quite well. And uh, actually, I think about, to think about it, I think there are a lot of misconceptions out there. And like, yes. if you were to talk about every single one of them, you're going to stay here for like hours and hours. Yes, correct. So, but I think I've, like, I've kind of like asked him about the five big mm. misconceptions out there. And I think that's a good starting point. And if there are any more, I think people can just like contact you directly. Okay, all right. I think uh, really we have pretty much come to the end of this episode. So uh, before we end, you know, why not you like share some uh, parting words with everyone? Okay, sure. So I'm gonna end off this session with a quote that my founder of company AG always like to say. Okay, to be successful in a profession or business, mm. to become wealthy cannot be compared to making the lives of a fellow man better. This can bring immense satisfaction. Okay, this is actually a quote by Minister Men- late Minister Mentor Lee Kuan Yew. Okay. Uh, and my founder loves it. 
Mm. Okay, and I also resonate a lot with it. Mm. Because I really enjoy helping people mm. and this line of business allows me to achieve that. Okay. okay. This career helps me to make sure that for the rest of my friends' lives, mm. they can be free of any financial worries. Mm. And I can really see the future of us retiring comfortably together, mm. making sure that our kids have the best education, best quality of life. Mm. Okay. And I really see this as my purpose in this career. Okay. okay. And I feel that I have nothing to complain about this career at all because I have this uh, passion mm. and this compassion for others. Mm. Okay. And I feel that next time for everyone, before you look for a job, make sure that whatever you're doing mm. is making an impact on people's lives. And yeah. I feel that you'll never ever quit a job mm. because it's not just a job to you, mm. it's really a career. Mm. And I feel that that's the difference between a job and a career. Mm. Okay. And if after hearing whatever I shared about financial planning or being a financial advisor, if you're inspired and you feel that you want to work with me together to impact mm. more lives, okay, you can always follow me on Instagram, K-O-K-I-E-X-D, mm. or you can contact Gerard and yeah. he will link it up with me. Lah. Okay. Mm. And of course, if you feel that you want any advice on financial planning, feel free to approach me also. Mm. So, yeah, I, I hope, uh, I hope you guys will have like, uh, learned something about you know financial planning and like the importance of insurance uh, but then again I mean we are not here trying to sell any insurance plans or like you know to like convince you guys to uh, of course you know buy this plan or like join mm-hmm. this company or anything as Cockley mentioned earlier no I think it is pretty important to be uh, financially aware and also be like financially uh, healthy especially in, like in the near future uh, because of these uh, you know, drastic changing uh, circumstances that we are going through in the world right now. And, uh, and I think many people actually do not talk about you know, this thing called financial health. Uh, but I think it's, uh, it's as important as you know, your mental and physical health. Because you know, if you come to think about it, you know, like eventually, right, on your, on the, everything that happens in our life is sort of a transaction. And all of it kind of involves... A particular cost and like almost you know in 75 percent of the time that cost is usually money so i think you know if we can be secure about our financial uh future uh, we can you know kind of live our you know, day-to-day lives you know more peacefully and without any worries and i think that's why we kind of did this entire like podcast sesh so yeah but i think that's it for this episode thank you uh Cockley for being part Thank of this. Thank you so much. Bro. Yeah, like really appreciate it, man. So yeah, and uh, that's it for today. And uh, see you all next week in uh, another episode with uh, in another topic, basically. And till then, goodbye.